following audio is from St Nick's Durham. As a church, we exist to love God, love people and love Durham. We hope that this sermon will serve you well as a supplement to your regular Bible reading, prayer and participation in your local church. For more information about St Nick's Durham, directions or resources, please visit stnicks.org.uk. The Bible reading is from Colossians 1, verses 15 to 27. The sun is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together, and he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behaviour, but now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight, without blemish and free from accusation. If you continue in your faith, established and firm, and do not move from the hope held out in the gospel. This is the gospel that you heard and that has been proclaimed to every creature under heaven and of which I, Paul, have become a servant. Now I rejoice in what I am suffering for you and I fill up in my flesh what is still lacking in regard to Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, which is the church. I have become his servant by, the, by compassion God gave me to present to you the word of God in its fullness, the mystery that has been kept hidden for ages and generations but is now disclosed to the Lord's people. To them God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Let me add my own welcome to you uh, this evening. It's great to be sharing with you. I thought we'd start by adapting the prayer that Paul uses for the Colossian Christians just before our chosen passage. If you have a Bible, you'll see it's from verses 9 to 11 of chapter 1. It asks for God's help, both in our spiritual understanding of his will and in the working out of that understanding in our lives. Now, God's will here is not so much about whether we should accept a particular job offer or move house, but about, but about his bigger plans for us and his world, all coordinated under the Lordship of Christ. It's only through the Holy Spirit's work that these things will have any meaning for us. Otherwise, they'll just be crazy religious fantasy. <clears throat> 
So let's pray. Loving Father, we ask that as we come to your word, you would fill us with the knowledge of your will. Give us spiritual wisdom and understanding so that we might live lives that are worthy of Jesus and that please him in every way. Amen. So we're continuing our series on prayer and tonight we come to the topic prayers for healing. When we use the word healing, we tend to major on physical and mental healing. It's very good that we pray for such healing. It's a key ministry of the church. And let's take time to praise God for answered prayer in whatever form it comes. It's always so encouraging to hear first-hand testimonies of those who've known the healing grace of God in a very specific way. But this evening, I'd like us to think of a much wider and deeper vision of healing and wholeness. It's about the whole of creation coming into harmony with God's goodwill and purposes. So it embraces physical and mental healing, but it's much, much more. It's also about the healing of relationships between friends, family members, communities and nations. The healing of relationships between those from different ethnic, social and cultural backgrounds. And our newspapers and social media show all too clearly the desperate need for such healing. We need healing too in our relationships with the creation, God's gift to us, so that it is used as God intended it and not abused. And most fundamentally, we need healing in our relationship with God, which has been fractured by sin. Healing through the death of Christ, who took our sin on himself. A healed world is one where all is as God intends it to be, where everything under Christ is reconciled and in harmony, where love and justice rule. It manifestly hasn't happened yet, but it's on its way. And as Christ's disciples, we have a part to play in pointing to it and bringing it in. A role that is summarised for me in verse 27. Christ in us, the hope of glory. Now, when I first saw the preaching schedule for this evening and the suggested reading, I thought there'd been a mistake. Our passage doesn't seem to be about healing at all. Certainly healing and wholeness are not mentioned, nor is prayer. So it was very tempting to switch quickly to another passage. Yet as I reflected on the suggested reading, it looked more and more relevant to our topic. And here's my reason. The passage provides a crucial, wider context for the ministry of healing in all its different expressions. It gives the bigger picture, the larger backdrop for this ministry. It doesn't deal with important down-to-earth questions, for example, about when to pray for healing, what to say, what questions to ask, why some prayers don't seem to get answered, and so on but it does underline the fundamental purpose and significance 
of praying for healing. And I want to suggest that the more we have this picture in mind, the more meaningful the ministry of healing will become, the more energised and committed we will be, the greater the expectation of what God can and will do, the bigger the vision. And for me, the current pandemic brings home especially forcefully the need for that bigger picture. I like the story of John F. Kennedy when he paid his first visit as American president to NASA, the space agency. As he went round the buildings, he came across a, a cleaner with a brush and he asked him what he did. Mr. President, the man replied, I'm helping to put a man on the moon. It's a great story, isn't it? The cleaner's job was pretty lowly and insignificant to many. Yet he saw it in the context of the bigger picture. It gave his job an altogether higher sense of purpose and meaning and probably made him better at it. When we engage in prayer for healing, we are not on our own, but cooperating with God in the great project of bringing in his kingdom in all its fullness. We are going with the flow of God's plans for this world. Later in the service, we'll pray together, your kingdom come, your will be done. We don't say these words, I hope, with an air of resignation or with gritted teeth or as a cop-out, but in expectation in the firm assurance that God has great and good purposes for us and this world, for you and me. These words should really underpin all prayers for healing. There is nothing better than God's will for me. So with that background, let's look at these verses. There's been a lot of puzzling over why Paul wrote them. But whatever the precise reason, there's no mistaking their theme. Jesus Christ, the one the Colossians have come to know as Saviour and Lord, the one in whose name we pray for healing today, is the central, preeminent figure of the past, the present and the future, the Lord of all. And it's through his death that we are made holy and fully reconciled to God free from accusation, as verse 22 puts it. And because of that, we are all caught up in the great cosmic purposes of God to reconcile all things under Christ, a world where everything is in harmony. Now, this is astounding, overwhelming, mind-blowing stuff. It makes us stop in our tracks. Yet it's Paul's intention that these great statements of faith should be directly relevant to the day-to-day -day lives of the Colossian Christians. That's shown in verse 10 that we used in our opening prayer. Paul prays there that they might understand these things so that, so that they would live a life worthy of the Lord. <clears throat> So these verses are not intended as doctrinal exhibits 
to be kept in a glass case for occasional viewing. If they are rooted in our hearts, they will affect how we live and pray as we realise that we are part of the same great story and plan. Above all, they invite us to turn again to the one who is the centre of our faith, the one who died for us and who sustains the creation. The passage is so intense and integrated that it seems almost irreverent to start picking at it. But perhaps I can share just three things about Jesus from the passage that might help us when we pray for healing in his name. Remember that tonight we are concerned with the bigger picture, the bigger context for healing prayer. Firstly then, the passage tells us that the Jesus who lived in our world two millennia ago is the creator God. He is the image of the invisible God, verse 15, and in him dwells all the fullness of God, verse 19. All things were created for him and by him, and he is the one on whom the created order depends. In him all things hold together, verse 17. Nothing, says Paul, is excluded from his creation. All power structures, thrones, powers, rulers, authorities, ultimately derive from the creator. There is nothing beyond his reach. This means that when we pray for healing and wholeness, we are praying in the name of the one who as God created and sustains us and this world, a world that he loved so much that he gave his life for it. Verse 20. Now there's so much that could be said here, but here's just one thought. We each bear our creator's mark. I sometimes watch those antiques programmes on television in the hope that one day I'll see a rare, highly valuable item that looks identical to something in my loft. On these programmes, you'll often see the expert hunting for a mark on a dish or a piece of silverware. This mark tells the story of the antique and who made it. Sometimes it's covered with dirt and grime and is very badly damaged, but it's there. Each of us is made in God's image and each of us has the potential of being part of God's new healing creation in Christ. So when we pray for healing, let's remember the people we are praying with or for also have that divine stamp with all its possibility. So Jesus, the creator God. Second, Jesus is the reconciler of all things through his death, verse 20. There is, of course, personal reconciliation to God through the Christ, through the cross, that was available to the Colossians and is available to all of us. But it seems that Paul here has a much bigger concept of reconciliation in mind. When the whole of creation, all things, will be brought into harmony 
with its creator's purposes. I love Peterson's paraphrase of verse 20. All the broken and dislocated pieces of the universe, people and things, animals and atoms, get properly fixed and fit together in vibrant harmonies, all because of Christ's death. All the broken and dislocated pieces of the universe, people and things, animals and atoms, get properly fixed and fit together in vibrant harmonies. What a vision! And Paul tells us in 2 Corinthians that we have been given the ministry of reconciliation. We are, as it were, ambassadors for the reconciling love of God in Christ. And when we pray for healing in whatever context, we are in effect acting as agents of that love. Jesus the Creator, Jesus the Reconciler, and finally, Jesus the Head of the Church, verse 18. The Church is meant to be an example of how God's reconciled creation works under Christ. Yes, we might come from very different cultures, traditions and backgrounds, stages of life and all the rest, but we serve the same Saviour and Lord. We have the same head and it's the head that coordinates the body so that everything works in harmony. Different parts of the body with very different functions working smoothly together, dependent on each other. You might ask, well, what has this to do with prayers for healing? Well, our unity in Christ should be a powerful witness to a world that has its full share of dysfunctional relationships and conflict, that desperately needs to know the healing of reconciliation. Now, I know that the church falls hopelessly short of what God intends for it. But as a fellowship, let's do all in our power and in the Spirit's strength to give to the world, to Durham, an example of joyful acceptance of others and openness with one another under Christ's headship. So that what we pray for our world and for others is evidently true of us. In this coming week, we might find ourselves praying for healing in lots of different contexts and needs. Let's remember at these times that we are part of God's great project to bring everything into wholeness, harmony and peace under Christ. The one who knows about our world, who created us in the first place, who leads us in reconciliation and who calls us to live in community as an example of what reconciliation means. Amen. Thank you for listening to the St Nick's Durham podcast. If you would like to hear more sermons and teaching like this, then subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. For more information about St Nick's, visit our website at stnicks.org.uk.